Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. We do this show each weekday live at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. And as you can imagine, a lot to get to today coming out of the weekend. How about the IU win on Saturday, their second road win in Big Ten Conference play? And uh, I thought it was an outstanding performance overall on the road for Indiana And once again, another really good week for this program, handling Penn State at home on Wednesday night, picking up an all-important road win on Saturday. And this IU team seems to be really coming together to make a push, a legitimate push. I think if you look at their standing and record and all of the details around that right now for the NCAA tournament coming up in the month of March. Also, it's just a busy week. Girls sectionals begin here in the Hoosier State. A lot of them kick off on Tuesday night. Local teams playing all over the place here in our area starting tomorrow night. And this uh, is a great week for girls basketball in the area because the boys will play a lot of Thursday games, a lot of games during the week. And uh, some of the big nights, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday, are reserved for the girls for their first round semifinals and championship games. And so it's going to be fun to follow the ladies this week and see who locally can win a sectional and move on to the regional round of the tournament. Of course, locally, Silver Creek is the team. I think if you want to point to someone in Clark and Floyd counties that can make some noise over the next few weeks as the state tournament gets underway, they would be expected to win the sectional, but it's a tough sectional. There are some possibilities for upsets always, but the Silver Creek, that team locally that I think we all think can make a run deep into the tournament. And then just to our west, Lanesville in 1A has had a terrific regular season, and they will be a team on a mission to see what they can do uh, in 1A as well. They played a very challenging schedule in the regular season, and that sort of stuff, <clears throat> those sort of challenges that they've had, can pay off uh, in upcoming weeks for Lanesville. So fun to see the girls' sectional, the girls' state tournament get underway uh, this week. We'll be keeping a close eye on them, trying to give them as much attention as possible. And then, of course, boys' basketball. We're Man, we're in the final stretch here. It's January 31st today. Uh, tomorrow we'll start the, the last month of the regular season, and then when we get to March, uh, boys' sectionals will be here. So it's just a melee between now and and really, uh, the boys' state championships, it's going to go so very fast, and there are so many big games ahead, some of them naturally because that's how the schedule works out every year. But, I mean, I think about New Albany, Providence, Silver Creek, and Jeff. I think that's a three-game stretch for New Albany coming up in the month of February. So there are some big games for all the local teams, conference games, rivalry games, 
uh, this month. It's going to be a really, really fun month, and I think obviously we'll know a lot more about some of our local teams uh, heading into March once we get through some of these big games coming up in February. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got some headlines, news of the day, uh, Southern Indiana sports and IU basketball and more coming up here in just a few moments. We'll take a look at the Maryland game. We'll take you through some of the high school highlights from over the weekend. Uh, the IU women, who are fun to watch, they're finally getting back to action. They've had a long, long pause because of COVID issues themselves and then because the team – uh, Illinois, they were supposed to play last, is on pause right now as well. So they're back at it tonight. We'll see how they do and hope that they didn't lose up any ground, any progress they were making because really a good IU women's team, I think, with a chance to make some noise in the month of March as well. We'll cover that. And then later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He's always with us on Mondays to help kickstart uh, things from an IU perspective. We'll take a look at the IU Maryland result on Saturday. Some real key things that stood out in, excuse me, in that game for me on Saturday. And uh, we'll break those down with Zach when he joins us a little bit later in the hour. And Chad Gilbert is out today, so in place of him, Scott Shane, the head coach of Silver Creek, is going to join us today. And we'll obviously talk about his Dragons and the girls' sectionals this week and get his feel on this uh, start of the state tournament. But also with Coach Shane, his son, Trey, who's just a great all-around athlete at Silver Creek. He's a key member of the football team, and he's a really good basketball player that's been a starter now for a handful of years, kind of a defensive stopper, great athlete. He can shoot it as well, a lot like his dad, Scott, could. Uh, but Coach Shane will join us because Trey committed to Georgetown College for a football scholarship over the weekend. And so Coach Shane is going to talk Silver Creek uh, girls basketball, but we'll mention Trey as well. want to give him some props and congratulations on his commitment uh, over the weekend as well. That's the show lineup for this Monday, last day of January <clears throat> edition of the program. Uh, our show lineup is a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. You can check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's get into our headlines, a summary of the day's top IU in Southern Indiana sports news, we start with some things from the IU-Maryland game over the weekend. Indiana wins by double digits on the road in the Big Ten Conference. I don't care if it's Nebraska or Maryland or who it is, double-digit win on the road in the Big Ten. You'll take that any day you can get it. And Indiana, like normal, and maybe the last couple of weeks, week and a half, haven't been normal, but Indiana got off to a slow start Saturday at the Xfinity Center on the road. Uh, they when they trail eight nothing to start the game, and it looked like it could be a big hole for the Hoosiers to climb out of early on, which we've seen far too often this season under Coach Woodson. And for whatever reason, it's just been something that seems to be a trait of this IU basketball program. But Indiana rebounded uh, second half, strong, strong performances by Trace Jackson Davis, who had 17 points. Race Thompson had 18 points. TJD almost a double-double. He had nine rebounds. Uh, Race Thompson did have a double-double. He had 12 rebounds. Those guys were really, really solid. Xavier Johnson, another big performance for IU. He's had really since Christmas, since the new year. Xavier Johnson overall has been a total different player from what he was in the month of December for the Hoosiers. And so we'll talk about that a little bit later in the day. And I thought another interesting storyline from the game is that we actually saw – 
Christian Lander get some minutes. He's been held out of recent games. I don't know if he would have played or not uh, due to a leg issue, but he was back on Saturday. He got some playing time on Saturday. He actually took two shots. He hit both of them. He finished with five points in the game. He played 10 minutes and, again, looked like a guy that here and there can contribute and help this Indiana team, especially with the uh, future of Rob Finnessy as far as his injury unknown about how long he's going to be out or really how severe things are. So uh, that was interesting as well. I thought to see Lander come back, Johnson be strong with eight points, played 30 minutes uh, for IU, just two turnovers for Johnson on Saturday. So lots of interesting things for the Hoosiers uh, that have to have you feeling pretty good about this IU team as we get ready to head into the month of February. And there are some tough games ahead. Uh, there's no question about that. But there are also some winnable games ahead for this Indiana team. And I just – I truly, for the first time heading into the month of February, and I, I could I could shoot myself in the foot here by saying this, but I feel very confident that this team is, number one, trending in the right direction. And I feel, number two, confident that this team is going to make the NCAA tournament in year one of, of Coach Woodson. So uh, those are two feelings in early February uh, that I think a lot of IU fans have not had and that I sure have not had hosting the show on a daily basis. But I truly believe that way. Now, things can fall apart quickly. There's no question about that either. But uh, I think trending in the right direction are things for this Indiana team. They've had... A good month, I think a really good two weeks, minus the Michigan performance uh, at home. Obviously, that one really stings and stands out. But uh, things going well, I think, overall for right now uh, with Indiana. We'll talk more about this coming up a little bit later in the hour with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. One other IU note here in our headlines, and this is a little confusing, and I sure hope everything is okay, but IU sent out a release earlier this morning that Chuck Crabb the longtime PA announcer who also works in the athletic department is retiring after being the public address announcer at Assembly Hall for the last 45 years. And it sounds like the way the release was worded that uh, Mr. Crabb's retirement is effective immediately. So uh, you would hope he would finish out the year. Uh, who knows, personal issues, family issues, you just never know what could be going on. So we hope everything is okay with the legendary voice in the arena of IU basketball, much like Don Fisher is the legendary voice of the Hoosiers on the radio. If you go to Bloomington for a lot of games, uh, and over the years I sure have, uh, Chuck Crabb just brings something to the facility, to the game, to the crowd. It doesn't matter if it's a Purdue game where things are rocking and Indiana's playing well uh, like they were a few weeks ago, or if it's a non-conference game or Hoosier hysteria or any event that I've been to where he's behind the microphone, he just really adds something uh, to the overall scene there in Bloomington. So hope everything is okay. His voice will sure be missed uh, at Assembly Hall. Again, one of those legendary voices. It's hard to explain because some PA announcers nowadays are much like NBA PA announcers, and I pay attention to some of this stuff probably because of the the job I have. But uh, you know they're they're wild and loud, and they uh, go overboard with names, and it sounds good at times. It it fits the setting, but Chuck Crab was none of that. He just had a simple voice, uh, very well stated. Uh, things were not uh, always overblown, and. Uh, he just has done a, an amazing, amazing job, I think, behind the microphone for IU. So if you go to games, you're listening to this right now, my little tribute you could say to Mr. Crab, and you're like, I get it, I get it, I get it. I think most of you do, and if you've not been to a lot of games, you may not appreciate or understand 
how important he's been to the to the arena, to the field, to the setting of Assembly Hall over the years, even going back to the 90s and Bob Knight, just so many memories attached to his voice. So we hope everything is okay and that his voice will sure be missed when Indiana returns to Assembly Hall for their next ball game. Also, just another crazy storyline that could only happen during a pandemic, that could only happen with all the COVID issues uh, that have went on here the last few years in our country and how sports have been changed and affected. Uh, but the IU women, uh, number six in the country, IU women, who've had a terrific season and have had quite the two, three, four-year stretch now under uh, Terry Morin from Seymour, by the way. She's a Southern Indiana girl. Uh, they have been off for two weeks because of COVID problems of their own. And uh, then last week, Nebraska, they were supposed to play. I believe it was Nebraska, had some COVID problems uh, of their own. So uh, that extended their break a lot longer than I'm sure they expected. But they come back tonight, huge game. They take on number 7-ranked Michigan up in Ann Arbor. So you never know after sitting out like this for a couple weeks. Yes, they've been able to practice here more recently, but there were a number of days, I'm sure, where there were – not much basketball going on because of the virus spreading around the team and some issues they had. It'll be really interesting tonight to see how they bounce back from that. Uh, so definitely a big one for the IU women tonight uh, coming up uh, on, and I think it's on ESPN2 tonight, by the way, for the women. So number six IU at number seven Michigan State. And I want to hit some high school stuff from over the weekend. Boy, Floyd Central has really, really rounded into mid-season season form. They won their seventh straight game, uh, senior night at uh, the Highlander Gymnasium on Saturday. Once they got things rolling, got their regular lineup in there, Floyd Central handled a, a solid Evansville Wrights team, uh, 58-46. And I understand Floyd Central has added a game later in the season against Indianapolis Cathedral. I don't know where that game's at. I'll get more details on that, but that will be – a really good challenge for Floyd Central and a very smart move by Coach Sturgeon and whoever was behind orchestrating that late-season addition, which, again, is only possible because of COVID and changes and so many other things. But that's what I was told, and that will really be a good test for Floyd Central at some point in the month of February, heading into, obviously, the Seymour sectional where they will be the favorite coming up in March. So Floyd Central, a good weekend, New Albany. Had their uh, their Friday game, a, a win down in Evansville over north, so a good road win for New Albany on Friday. Then Saturday, uh, not necessarily a good home game. A very good Jasper team, who's now 13-3, and beat the Bulldogs on their home court for the first time in 34 years on Saturday uh, at the Doghouse. Tucker Biven was the highlight of the night. He got to 1,000 points uh, all-time for the Bulldogs, becomes the 14th player in the all-time scoring list for New Albany. And, I had a, and I'm going to go through that at some point on the program, but I had a chance just to go through that list on Sunday, an amazing list of names, of talent that have played in that program over the years. And it's amazing to think what Biven has accomplished. This is a guy that plays basketball November through March and doesn't pick up a basketball hardly at all in the summer and maybe returns to the New Albany early season practices in the fall because – because of his baseball talents, he's committed to U of L for baseball. He's an MLB draft prospect, possibly coming up later this summer. Uh, he's got so many baseball engagements at a national elite level 
uh, that he just simply can't afford to play basketball in the summer. But the fact he's been able to overcome that and uh, become a thousand plus point scorer, and you know, depending on how New Albany does the rest of the way, Biven, if he can put up another hundred or so points, he can move up that list even further with other great names in the lore of New Albany basketball over the years. So definitely a, a storyline there to, to watch the rest of the season. And speaking of New Albany, I was told just before we went on the air today, because of possible winter weather coming into the area on Thursday, it looks like the Jennings County game uh, on the road is going to be played Wednesday instead. And I would expect other local schools and ADs to try to get ahead of this possible ice weather. We're in the lower part of it. I think it's really going to hit northern Indiana, central Indiana. Uh, but I would expect them to get ahead of it as well, get the game in on Wednesday because of how crazy things have been this year. If there's one thing COVID has done for ADs, a lot of them are much more creative thinking and open to uh, making some changes just to try to keep the season as normal as possible and to get in a minimum regulation number of games, to be quite honest. So uh, no question that I expect to see some of those games moved up. Jeffersonville, uh, you know, things continue to be wild there, just uh, uh, suspensions and injuries and then a COVID break. Andrew Grant's uh, with pneumonia, uh, and uh, you'll understand he's under the weather again. So uh, it, it has just been a tough go of it. Their game Friday against Bedford North Lawrence at home was canceled. Uh, so now they'll return here in a few days and play at Rock Creek, which was the game added late in the season. They've got Trinity still ahead, New Albany, Evansville Wrights, Castle, other big games uh, so a tough stretch ahead for Jeff, but we don't know a lot about them. They're 3-8 and eight this year, and they're loaded with talent. And if they can get everything together and get everything going in advance of Seymour, uh, they could beat anybody on any given night. So there's going to be some real mystique about the Red Devils, no matter how many wins or losses they have between now and the end of the season. Just a crazy, crazy year. I think when we look back on pandemic struggles uh, years from now, this Jeff team and all that they've went through this year, uh, will be one of the ones that I probably remember the most. Just unbelievable the uh, the issues they've had to overcome this season. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can send me a text on questions for our guests, comments on the IU win Saturday. Uh, I've already seen a couple texts come in about Chuck Crabb, the legendary PA announcer at Assembly Hall, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Uh, as we go to break, looks like the uh, Cathedral game, according to Mr. Washington, uh, at home on Saturday. That's going to be a huge game for Floyd Central uh, they'll take on Cathedral in a big challenge to get them ready for the postseason on Saturday. I think Floyd can beat them, especially at home. No question about that. And uh, Thornton's text line, uh, my buddy Sean writes in, Chuck Crabb is to Assembly Hall what John Tong was to Freedom Hall. That's a great point. Sean goes on to say the over-top announcing we hear today will never top that duo. And as a guy that I think is pretty boring on the mic in many ways, I agree. I like the straightforwardness of uh, some of those legends like Chuck Crabb and John Tong. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, IU basketball, Zach Osterman on the Maryland win and what's ahead for this IU team. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us. We always talk IU basketball to begin the week here. Don't forget Scott Shane of Silver Creek, the girls' basketball team, going to join us in the next segment as well. Uh, Zach, uh, I'm going to start with a text from the Thornton's text line. Can you please ask Zach if he knows anything about Chuck Crabb? His uh, immediate uh, announcement of a retirement obviously is concerning, and he's been such a, uh, a legendary voice over the years at Assembly Hall. Yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising. It is, um, I think, in particular, it's, it's it's sudden. And, you know, Chuck had talked before, I think, about wanting to retire around the bicentennial. Obviously, 2020 was weird for all of us and, and maybe not a time when it might have felt, you know, satisfactory to step away for a variety of different reasons. But, you know, for it to kind of be in the um, – in the, you know, in the middle of the season to be sudden, you know, my understanding is it's with immediate effect. I think it is understandably jarring for people. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that um, for a lot of people, Chuck Grab is Assembly Hall. You know, he has provided the, the sort of background soundtrack to all the days and nights that IU fans have spent in that building since 1977, which means that he's been there for the majority of its lifespan. Um, you know, he, he took over as public address announcer after the, the 70, I think after the 77, 76, 77 season. And so, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he has had his fingers in a lot of different, you know, pies for IU down the years in other aspects, you know, and, and he's been, you know, basically an athletic administrator. I think probably a lot of people don't realize that, that he's, he's been an athletic administrator in a lot of different roles in the last, you know, 45 years. But um, I think for a lot of people, you know, he will always be the person that th- that will be the voice they expect. That will be the, the, the sound they most closely associate other than maybe just, you know, a roaring crowd with walking into assembly hall. And, and that, that era is, uh, is obviously over. Yeah. Boy, I would hate to be the guy that uh, has to replace Mr. Crab at the next, uh, IU home game, there's there's no question about that. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, we've got to get to the Maryland game on Saturday. I thought just a terrific road win uh, by Indiana. I highlighted in the first segment some of the top performers and some of the storylines I thought were interesting from the game, and we'll go through some of those same ones with you. But one thing I didn't mention earlier uh, today was how good IU's defense was uh, at Maryland on Saturday. It, it was really good. One of the great defensive performances I thought of this team so far this year. It was interesting to me. I mean, Mike Woodson was, I thought, fairly candid on Friday. He just sort of said Maryland goes as Ayala and Ruffle go. You know, and, and if you can't slow them down, you can't really slow Maryland down. And um, obviously, Maryland had won a couple games coming into uh, Indiana's visit on Saturday. And I think, I think in those two games, Ayala and Russell had played particularly well. Um, you know, I think they combined for 45 points against Rutgers. 
Um, I think they were both also very good uh, against Illinois. And, you know, it, it, it sounds simplistic, but we've talked so much about this Indiana team sort of it, it feeling like this Indiana team needs to earn its trust back from its fans um, after, you know, so many years of, of ugly blowouts and, you know, frustrating ends to the season, lack of NCAA tournament appearances. We can go on and on. After that Michigan game, I think you got a lot of fans, understandably, kind of having a bit of a Pavlovian reaction to here is, you know, the highest of highs and beating Purdue, and then almost immediately, you know, plummeting back down to earth against Michigan. Well, I think the way that you respond to that Michigan game, both Penn State and Maryland, the way you play in both of those games, you know, the, the, the dominance for about 22 minutes against Penn State, just total dominance, and then going on the road and playing so well, really, I would say at both ends of the floor, but obviously a lot of that starting with your defense at Maryland, a place you'd never won in the eight years they've been in the league, really allows you to kind of contextualize that Michigan game and just say that was that was a much more isolated thing, that this, this team is, is ready to kind of graduate beyond what we would see. You know, we talk so much about Archie Miller's record in games after um, – ranked wins and how often it felt like Indiana just couldn't sustain momentum or, or growth or, you know, sort of just, just, you know, kind of a, a, a positive direction. Penn state, Maryland, those aren't wins that are probably going to come up on your NCAA tournament resume by any means, but they're the sorts of wins that taking care of them means that you don't have to, it, taking care of them just puts you in a better position going into the part of the season where you don't want to have to, be facing a lot of peril and doing it the way Indiana did, I think continues to kind of, you know, maybe win some, win some benefit of the doubt from fans who understandably, I think it had reserved a lot of it around this team in the last, you know, couple seasons, just because of what they've been through in recent years. Talking with Zach Osterman, the Indy star IU beat writer, um, Xavier Johnson, he's had a really good January. I think he's looked much different as a player and as a point guard leader than what he did in the month of December. How important do you think his continued improvement is uh, to this IU team's success in February and ultimately trying to get into the NCAA tournament? I mean, I, I think we have reached a point where, you know, the, um, the, the example I sort of used was in the preseason, we would have said Indiana is, you know, who, what can Indiana count on? Who are their most reliable players? And we would have said it's, it's Trace Jackson Davis and probably Race Thompson that, you know, his production was trending in the direction that it's, it's, it's kind of reached now. Um, and, you know, he was, he was probably headed for being, you know, he's basically an 11 and 8 kind of player now, growing in effectiveness, really good defensively. Um, but those were the two guys that at both ends of the floor, Indiana, if you count on having a tough, experienced front court that could score inside and also defend the rim and rebound. And then it was kind of, you know, from there, it was about the supporting cast and who else in the supporting cast developed. I don't think that Xavier Johnson's part of the supporting cast anymore. Um, you know, you, you're talking about a player. I think you're right. He has gotten a lot better since the year turn. You know, his assist rate in Big Ten play is higher than it is overall this season. His turnover rate. Overall, this season is the lowest in his career at this point, and it's actually 3.5% lower in Big Ten play than if we're talking about the season more broadly. Um, I think shot selection can still frustrate fans sometimes, but I also think he's kind of the player that that winds up getting the, the sometimes unenviable job of 
you know, basically late clock, go create a shot. Uh, we just kind of need you to come up with something because nothing else has worked role. And, and that can lead to some, you know, some ugly shots and some, some rushed shots, but he's actually shooting close to 59% at the rim. So, you know, his, his two point field goal percentage is kind of dragged down by his, his jumpers, which I think he's only shooting about 21, 22% on, on two point jumpers right now, but at the rim, he's finishing very well. He's drawing a lot of fouls, um, most fouls per 40 minutes of his career in Big Ten play now. And you also just get the sense that we can talk about numbers. We can talk about an individual assist numbers. It's something like, I think, 46 or 47 just since the year term. Um, but there's the broader idea that I think he's more comfortable in his role. And the other thing we often, I think, maybe – we don't reverse the flow in discussing a point guard, a point guard needing to learn his team. The team needs to learn the point guard too and understand, you know, what's the pass that, that, you know, Xavier Johnson might see that no one else does. Do I need to be ready to catch the ball here where I wouldn't have thought I would be because I don't think he can make that pass, but he can, you know, and, and what's he going to do when he, when he dribbles the floor, what's he going to do in transition, all those kinds of things. I think that the player and his teammates have really started to find just a different kind of comfort level with one another. And again, I think, I think we're past the point of seeing Xavier Johnson as a, as a role player for this team. I think he is genuinely, um, you know, one of kind of the, one of the first names on the scouting report at this point for Indiana, he's playing exceptionally well. All right. uh, Staying with the point guard slot, uh, Christian Lander saw his first IU action since December 22nd. He's a player that came into the program uh, a year ahead of, or early, really, uh, with a lot of uh, firepower from high school and was expected to be a, a notable prospect. And it just, for various reasons, hasn't quite worked out yet for Christian. But I thought in the minutes he logged, and he's got to see more with Fennessey out. We don't know all the particulars there. But uh, I thought he made the most of the 10 or so minutes he got in the second half at Maryland. He did. I mean, I think one of the numbers that really jumps off the page for you is, is one turnover in 10 minutes. And I think the two things that we talked about the most with Christian Lander were fouls and turnovers. You know, that, that, that when, he, when he has gotten playing time, sustained playing time this season, playing time, you know, in, in maybe more competitive games, um, the issues he's faced are, are number one, he has just struggled to defend without fouling. And it's kind of hard, you know, to, I mean, in, in the first half Saturday, he still, he still committed four fouls in 10 minutes. In the first half Saturday, he commits two fouls in three minutes in the first half. But the other side is, is turning the ball over. And, you know, I think, I think one turnover in 10 minutes on the road, um, against, again, some experienced guards. And I know Maryland wasn't playing very well. I, you know, Maryland has also just had such a strange year. Uh, you, you feel like maybe that team is just, just generally sort of disengaging from the season at large. But um, the, you know, it, it is a little bit one for two. The four fouls in 10 minutes is still, that's a lot. You know, you, you've got to be able to count on guys to, even bench players to defend without fouling, but only one turnover in 10 minutes gets five points. His assist was a good one. I thought, you know, and, and you see that three pointer he shot that that's his game. I mean, that, that is a weapon that he has that sort of, you know, that sort of high screen and roll. If the, 
if the defender wants to go under the screen or gets caught on the screen or decides to just kind of, you know, defend soft over the screen, he's got that pull-up three-pointer, and that's something that I think not a lot of guys have on this team in terms of I think he can shoot that fairly reliably. I, I don't think you're going to see him shoot 100 of them in the season or at least this season, but I think he can hit that fairly reliably. And so all of a sudden you can extend your defense a little bit more. You force a little bit more pressure. Guys can't go under the screen, but now you've, you've changed your screening roll coverages and maybe there's more opportunity to drive. I thought it was good for him to, to see that shot fall too, that, that three, because he, as you say, he's going to get more minutes here. You know, Rob Fennessey's dealing with plantar fasciitis. It's a very painful condition. Um, we don't know when he'll be available. And, and even if he is, it's not something that just kind of goes away. It's something he may have to manage at, at different points the rest of this season, even if he can get, get back soon. We're going to see more of Christian Lander. To me, the, the two big numbers are just always going to be turnovers and, and fouls because if he can bring his turnover numbers down, continue to bring them down, and he can get better at defending without fouling at a Big Ten level, then I think you find minutes for him because you can see what else he can do with the ball in his hands. All right, Zach, let's talk about what's ahead for this Indiana team. A little bit of a break. They're off from Saturday to Saturday. Uh, they'll restart things after a, a week off here against Illinois on Saturday. So I think it's worth noting in the grind of Big Ten basketball, uh, this COVID year, injuries, everything else that's going on, especially when you think about Rob Fennessey, uh, that, that some time away here or maybe some less time in the normal routine could possibly help this IU team in advance of Saturday's home game against Illinois? I think you've got to use this week just in, in general. I mean, and it's, it's probably actually, you know, everybody gets, everybody gets one of these per Big Ten season. There's this one kind of built-in bye week, and I don't know, maybe, maybe some teams will lose theirs because of COVID postponements and rearrangements, but I imagine the conference will try to keep that sort of six, seven day gap. Everybody gets one in the conference season as, as intact as possible. Um, you know, it's Indiana's seven and four now in the conference. There are 11 games in. So this is just past the halfway point. I think everybody can see that the second half of the conference schedule is probably a little bit more difficult than the first half. But the flip side is because you took care of Nebraska twice because you, you know, you took care of Penn State and Maryland with a minimum of fuss, because you've beaten Ohio State and Purdue. You know, I said this on, on our podcast earlier today. There's a lot more, there's a lot more opportunity than peril in these last nine games for Indiana. There's, there's a lot less like, oh boy, don't lose that one. You may not be able to afford to lose that one or, or you have to win this one because you haven't done anything like this yet this season. We're not talking about a team that's going to be a top three seed, a top four seed. We're probably not talking about a team that's going to make a final four run, although obviously everybody, you know, every once in a while somebody just catches a heater in March. But, like, there are lots of NCAA tournament teams that are good, solid basketball teams and are never really meant to contend for final fours and national titles. They're just there to make up a field of 68. They're good. They're solid. They have enough flaws that they're going to fall short somewhere before the final four. Indiana's probably one of those teams, but – Indiana is also a team that's got some quality wins now. It's got opportunities for more. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have too many bad losses. I mean, Penn State on the road, Syracuse on the road aren't great losses, but they're, you know, they're, they're not going to kill you on Selection Sunday. There's only one or two more opportunities for really bad losses, you know, left on the schedule. Um, and, and those are home games that you would back Indiana to win the likes of Maryland and Rutgers. 
Um, like I said, I just it, it feels like there's a lot more opportunity than danger for Indiana in these last nine games. They have set themselves up. They've given themselves the opportunity to kind of seize this opportunity, if that makes sense. The old Bob Knight line about getting yourself in position to be in position. That's that's kind of where Indiana is now. Now you get a week off. You know everybody. I mean, we talk about Rob Finnessy. You know everybody's a little beat up. This, but by the time you get to February in a college basketball season, everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got a bruise or a strain or, you know, just some sort of pain that just won't go away that they're playing through. This is a week to rest on that. This is a week where coaches will talk a lot about we worked on ourselves. We weren't going, you know, it wasn't just like scouting report game, scouting report game. It was let's go through some fundamentals. Let's let's revamp some of our our sets. Let's, you know, let's perfect some things that maybe we've gotten a little bit lax about whatever it might be. And then you get a big opportunity Saturday at home against Illinois. It's a noon game. It's a it's a you know it's a really good team. Obviously, um, it's an opportunity for another high quality win. And you imagine Assembly Hall's probably going to be up for it. And you win that game, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you're sixty percent of the way through the conference schedule, and you're eight and four. And you've won something like seven of nine. Again, you've added a bunch of quality. You just start to sort of solidify yourself, and you and you 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 start to earn that trust back that benefit of the doubt from fans who have just been burned too often in the last three, four years to give it to you. You win Saturday, you make the most of this week off, you get better, you get healthier, and then you win Saturday against Illinois and you start to get some of that benefit of the doubt back. You do that, you bet you, you follow that up by beating Northwestern the following Tuesday. And all of a sudden we're talking about, Hey, could this team finish in the top four, top five in the conference? But I think that, you know, Indiana has, has shown an ability here, I think anyway, to stay focused on what's right in front of it. And I think that that's making the most of this week because it's the only one they get. But it's also pretty much Saturday, Tuesday from here on out. And it's like Saturday, Tuesday for three weeks, then a Thursday, Sunday, then a Wednesday, Saturday. So you don't have another three games in seven days coming or anything like that. Get right this week. Get better this week. End it with a win against Illinois on Saturday. And you know, I think we're talking about this team really starting to cruise into February. Yeah, no question. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, he's always with us Mondays as we start the week with IU coverage. Zach, thank you uh, for the chat today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back and uh, we'll switch gears and talk some local sports. No Chad Gilbert on this Monday show, but we do have Scott Shane, the coach of Silver Creek Girls Basketball. What a better way to start the week. Celebrate the girls' sectionals this week. They've got the spotlight, as they should. And Silver Creek is the team in the area, I think, with the obvious best chance to make a run in the state tournament. But their sectional's not a given. It's not a walkthrough for them. Uh, there will be some tough games ahead for Silver Creek and all the local teams this week. And we'll take you through the sectionals and talk about Silver Creek with Coach Shane next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. 
All right, we're back. Final segment on this Monday program. A quick chat with Scott Shane, the head coach of the Silver Creek girls basketball team, defending 3A state champions. And, Coach, I've got a couple things to congratulate you about. First off, a 20-2 and regular season, regardless what happens over the next few weeks in postseason play, another outstanding historical-type year by your program, by your team. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on the on the radio. Appreciate everything you're doing. But yeah, great year. You know, uh, we were actually just talking about it uh, the other day in practice. You know, but it's over. You know, it's a great seat, great regular season. But now we move on to postseason. You know, where everybody's zero and zero. And before we get uh, into the sectional and your team here in the upcoming postseason, which begins on Wednesday night for the Lady Dragons, I want to also congratulate your family on your son Trey Shane. He's been an all-around athlete is the best way I can describe him at Silver Creek, a great football player, a very, very good basketball player as well. And he made a decision for his future. He committed to Georgetown College, a NAI program in Kentucky. Uh, that's where you played and coached uh, basketball there uh, for a number of years. And he's going to go there and play football. And So a really big uh, commitment from him and a, a great uh, accomplishment for all of you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. I know uh, he's excited. You know, my myself, my wife. You know, she uh, she went to Georgetown. Uh, my my brothers played at Georgetown. So Georgetown's a, you know, it's got a. I, my heart smiled a little bit when uh, when he when he said because it was his decision. You know, and I told him I said I'm going to support whatever you decide. But my heart smiled pretty heavily whenever uh, he said, "Hey, I think I'm going to go to Georgetown." Absolutely, congratulations to Trey Shane. All right, Coach, let's talk about uh, what's ahead this week. Sectional 30 in Class 3A at North Harrison. It's a seven-team sectional, and you guys will start off Wednesday night against Scottsburg. And you know, locally, Clark and Floyd County, you've got the record. You've had a great year. You've got some really good players. You guys are the favorite to make a run in the next couple of weeks, but this is a tough sectional. There are some quality ball clubs that will join you guys at North Harrison. You're very familiar with everybody there, and uh, I think it will be a challenging week for all. I agree 100%. You know, it's the toughest, I think, the toughest uh, sectional in Southern Indiana bar class. Uh, you know, you, it means deep. You know, there's really not any cakewalk. Like, there's not a favorable draw, a really good draw. Like, oh, I'm glad we drew here or there. You know, every game um, is is going to be a dogfight. It's fun for the fans because I mean, every time you go out to watch a game at North Harrison, you're gonna you have the potential to see a buzzer beater. So we're we're excited though. And uh, obviously, if you defeat Scottsburg on Wednesday, you'll move on to the semifinal round Friday, and there's a potential of a championship rematch, which has been so good for our area here in recent years. Silver Creek and Salem, that has been a tremendous rivalry in girls basketball, two first-class girls programs. We'll see if that's how things shake out at North Harrison. But one of the other reasons, Coach, I wanted to have you on is to recognize your team and, and to mention Trey as well, but also, you were a former player at South Central, a great player at South Central, and I think you can kind of speak and honor this week as a representation of all of girls basketball coaches and players in the community about how special it is in our state uh, to step out onto a court uh, in the postseason. And despite all the experiences you guys have had in the regular season this year, again, 20-2 and two record, it's just different when you step out there on Wednesday night in that first sectional game, uh, and it's just a unique tradition here in our area and in our state. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I mean, you know, I've coached in both states, in Indiana and Kentucky, and uh, 
you know, it's, there's nothing like ISSA sectional play, you know, and it doesn't matter where you are. It's like, I mean, it didn't, it did, doesn't matter. You know, when I was at South Central, when we, you know, we whirl in and it, I remember my freshman year, I think we won like four games my freshman year. And, uh, but we felt like we could win the sectional, you know, cause you're like, Hey, it just takes one game. We just got to put three games together. Uh, but there's no, there's no better feeling. No, the, the atmosphere, um, you know, and it's electric. Uh, you know, I have an assistant coach and he's going he's going to get at me. He's going to get on me later on, but I have an assistant coach and he was talking about, Hey, why don't we just watch the Charlestown's, uh, Courting game, you know, on, on, on TV because now with all you no know, COVID, everything is streamed live and you can watch. And I like, I said, Coach, man, there's nothing like that that energy when you go into uh, into a gym. And now that you know, at least they they relax some of the you know admission requirements. You know, I think we'll have big fans. You know, we have a lot of fans at the games. You know, it's it's nothing like it, man. It's it's nothing like walking on that court and uh, you know winning a game. You know, and then getting to, you know, I always say, you know, our whole goal is to get to Friday. You know, we want to get to Friday and then we'll worry about Saturday. But there's not a better feeling than to have shoot around on Saturday morning, you know, when there's like 64 teams left, you know, in the state. It's a, it's a great feeling when you're getting ready to go play for that championship. Absolutely. Scott Shane, coach at Silver Creek, my guest. We mentioned the team's 20-2 and record in the great regular season that's now in the books, defending 3A state champion. So many honors for you guys here in recent seasons. So, Tell us a little bit about this team. When I think of Silver Creek girls basketball, uh, to win the sectional, to make another run, two players uh, out of a lot of good ones come to mind. Kennedy Mason, Stryverson, and Emmy Rooney, a real tag team for you that's uh, very experienced and had great regular seasons as well. But talk about those two as we close out and, and really about the team as a whole. What has made you guys so dominant, so potent this season? I think the, the one thing that's really uh, you know kind of – made us a better team than what everybody thought we were going to be is just our team chemistry uh number one and number two is we you know kennedy and emmy both are huge cogs in what we do i mean they are huge in it but we have players like Lacey tingle uh meredith wilkinson uh, sydney sirota who uh you know are uh, reese decker uh hallie foley lydia right we have players that that just you know they know how to play and they play so well together um you know the chemistry is huge they play hard the warriors i mean you know it's just uh it's a fun team to coach you know somebody asked me the other day said hey compare this team to last year's team you know and uh, who would win i said well they're different you know they're totally two different teams i was like last year's squad was like a bunch of assassins you pull them into the you know watch film like okay a b c d mission accomplished I was like, and, and they were just very, very goal-oriented. This team is very goal-oriented, but, man, they have fun. Like, they grab my camp, my phone, and they're taking all these freaking pictures. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous, you know. And uh, But this group is is having a lot of fun, you know. Uh, and I think that's why they've been, they've been a, a dangerous team is the fact that they're out there and they just enjoy – they enjoy basketball. They're fun to watch. Uh, they're fun to coach. Um, they don't care who gets the glory. And, you know, and when you got a team like that, you know, you got a kid like Kennedy Mason Stryverson, who's a D1 point guard, who should be an Indiana All-Star, um, and, and, and she's running the show, and she doesn't care if she scores or if she has 12 assists. You know, Emmy Rooney will run through a wall. I mean, you tell that girl, hey, I need ABC accomplished, and she's one of those kids that doesn't matter. It, that has anything to do with scoring, she's going to go do it. And then now I get Sydney Sirota. I mean, Man, I'll be straight up with you, man. Are the best, I think the best defender. We got people saying they got great defenders. 
Sydney's throat is by far Indianapolis South, and I would put it against anybody in the state, uh, the, the number one lockdown defender in the state. Great stuff. Coach Shane, it was wonderful to be with you last season on that magical ride to Indianapolis. I wish you best of luck this week in the sectional, and thanks for coming on to help set the scene here in this very important week in our state. Hey, I appreciate you, Matt. Hopefully we, we have another run, man. Hopefully you're right there with us. Absolutely. Scott Shane with us to help set the tone for the month of, uh, well, I should say, I want to say March, but it's late January, postseason basketball here, and a lot of fun coming up. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about all of it. At 11 a.m., this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.